1948, Winston Churchill said, paraphrasing Santiana, those who fail to learn from history are doomed to repeat it. In 2012, Christine Paris said, Thor demonstrates high professional standards to help his clients achieve their greatest potential. He went above and beyond to ensure his schedule aligned with mine, regardless of time zone differences. Thor is consistent, dependable and accurate in carrying out his responsibilities to a successful conclusion. The bottom line, Thor is a preeminent authority in his field. If you have an opportunity to connect with him and learn from him, you would be wise to capitalise on that opportunity. Christine was Vice President of Regulatory Compliance at Asurant Miami when she wrote that. In 1898, Churchill, after cavalry charging with the 21st Lancers, remarked, nothing in life is so exhilarating as to be shot at without result. If you'd like to hear why a Miami cabbie threatened to shoot Thor with a taser en route to meet Christine, connect with him at linkedin.com slash in slash Thorholt and mention tasers. Even if you don't want to hear a taser tale, act today because success is not final, failure is not final, it is the courage to continue that counts, as Winston said. That's linkedin.com slash in slash Thor or thorholt.substack. This is London Calling. London Calling. But that's that's not, for me, a concern for for having censored or altered. This is obviously wrong. If an author writes something, it should be left as it stands. How on earth do you... Well, why you would tamper with it is is beyond me, but also... Because because we now live under, under what is effectively a marshmallow totalitarianism. Welcome to London Calling with me, James Dellingpole, and my very good friend, Mr. Toby Young. How are you doing, Tobes? I'm good, James. How are you? Well, I'm I'm buzzing. Um, the only thing I want to talk about this week, obviously, is my day hunting. Right. Now, this, Kindly, was, the, this was the special day that you've been doing. This was the special time. day that I have been absolutely bricking it over uh, ever since I was given the offer. Because... <laughs> These are these are London calling calling listeners who happened also happened also to hunt and they had me on their podcast which is great by the way and I'm, I'm going to put a link to uh, to where you can find the podcast on the on the on the the Ricochet site right. um, and yeah as as a special treat they gave me a day's hunting uh, now I, ha- I have a confession to make I didn't in the end go for the second horse. Okay. Um, because I just thought I, w- I was in the saddle for four and a half hours, and I think that's enough. If you're a, you know, an elderly gentleman like me. <laughs> so, if um, you get a second horse, does that mean you can? You're expected to go for like nine hours. Uh, yeah, you probably hunt till till the sun goes down. Um, so, yeah, you you you, you you can't walk at that point. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I can barely walk now. So, so. Heaven knows what it would have been like had I had another three hours, say. Right. Uh, it okay. would have been... So, so and where also, was this? Are you, are you able to um, say? I, well, I would, I would say it was it's in... I don't want to specify, but it was in, in very good hunt country with lots and lots of stone walls. <laughs> right. Um, which, which, um, which, are quite, which are quite interesting and challenging because you think, well, I don't want to clip the top of the wall. Or I don't want to... <laughs> I don't want to come a cropper because because stone walls are pretty solid. But you managed to stay on, did you? Mm. 
it was very exciting. I mean, I, I had I had a I had a a, a jolly fine horse, um, Spartacus, who I I've I've ridden before, and he's he's um, he's what's known as a schoolmaster. So he's he's been around the block. He's been hunting so many times that he knows far better than you do how to play the game. And the the thing was, it was a very um, Saturdays are very popular days, and the field was one hundred and twenty people. So that's that the the field of the people who, who follow the hunt on, on on horseback. And if you imagine that some of the 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 fences and the, the rails and hedges and things, they only have spaces big enough for maybe maximum two horses to jump at the same time. Uh, you can see, you can imagine how how congested it gets. Right, because so and, the people following the hunt, they're not the same as the huntsmen. So they no, they, no, there's the, there's the huntsmen and the whippers in who are who are essentially the hunt, and then everyone else is just a spectator, and they are called the field. And there was and, a man and, called the field what master. Were you, what were you? I was just I was I was part of the field. Are you a part so of the field? Okay, I was with the field master. The field master is the man or woman whose job it is to um, keep the field back from, from the hunt so they, don't, so they don't get in the way, uh, but also to decide the line that they will take over the, the country in order to, you know, to keep up. So what's the equivalent so, in shooting if you're in the field? I mean, you're not one of the guns, basically. Yes, um, you are. Well, yeah, more, no. More like it, a beater. It, it doesn't, doesn't, <laughs> doesn't, doesn't quite work like that. I don't think there's really a, a sort of parallel. Okay. Um, uh, no, but um, what it meant was that you never really got a very good run up at the uh, at your obstacles, so you couldn't you know you 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 couldn't rely on the horse's speed to carry you know to to hurdle hurdle the thing. So what you ended up doing, you needed a horse that can somebody somebody came up with a good phrase. It's called trot and pop. So, so basically, you need a horse that's be, that, sort of, that can almost amble up to the obstacle and just do a almost a standing a standing jump over these these obstacles. Um, it, was, it was great. I mean, it was it was really exciting. We did about about thirty jumps. Um, right. And uh, <laughs> oh, and the best bit, the most exciting bit, was when the field master said to me, "Right, you're going to lead the hunt over the next over the next jump." And I said, "What?" He said, "Yeah." I, I said, "Is it is it a scary one?" He said, "No, it's just 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 some rails." Uh, and he wasn't he wasn't lying. It was just some rails. And so I led 120 horses over the rails. So you, can you imagine the pressure? Um, <laughs> and if, if you if you fall off, I mean, let's so let's suppose you jump the rails, but yeah. your horse's leg back legs get caught. You take a tumble. Do you then have kind of like 199 horses or whatever it is? coming behind you you have to kind of wriggle out well you, well you well you would I, I mean a you look like a complete dick because because uh, you shouldn't you should never overtake the field master i mean but, um obviously I, I had permission on this occasion um but you probably wouldn't get trampled trampled on because horses are quite good at, at not at not treading on people because they, they, their, their priority is not to injure themselves right so um but yeah you would you would look a complete dick if if, if you were you you took it upon yourself to lead the hunt and you you bogged it yeah right okay okay um. <laughs> oh well anyway you, did, you you didn't disgrace yourself you got over the rails and that was all fine yeah yeah it was it, it was good did you, I, I did, think, 
did you did you catch a fox? I I didn't. Did, I, I mean, you you don't see him. I I, I didn't see one all day. Um, right. I, you know, and and anyway, you're 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 following trails. So um, yeah, and that doesn't matter. It's not like going on a shoot in which you don't end up shooting anything. Um, it's uh, it, it, it totally. It totally doesn't matter as long as you get a good run, as long as you get a few moments where hounds are running, um, because when hounds are running, it means you can means anything goes. So, for example, there's a rule where uh, there are unspoken rules uh, which you're supposed to. There's an etiquette where if if hounds aren't running, you're not supposed to jump anything stupid or even at all. Um, and the stone walls around there, uh, there are. The ones with dressing on top, i.e. With the, with the sticking up stones, uh, you're never supposed to jump unless hounds are running, in which case anything goes. Right. Um, and if hounds are running, that means they've got the scent of a fox, does it? They've, 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 it means they've, 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 they've found a scent. Um, right. And um, so um, <laughs> then, th- then it, gets, it, it gets quite hairy because you just like... I, I mean, there, there, were, there, were, there were jumps on and off the road. So, you, so you'd... you'd You'd go over one stone wall onto the road, and then over another stone wall off the road, and uh, some of them have drops, and some of them have. <laughs> it's it's just like <laughs> you need you need plenty of Dutch courage to be able to deal with this stuff. Um, right. But right. and then and then you then you replay every jump back in your head, or just over and over again. It's it's a, it's an hallucinatory experience. No, it sounds. I must try it one day. And you, 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 someone once said to me, "Do you want to follow on a quad bike?" But how do you get over the fences if you're on a quad bike? Well, I'm sure you'd have a good time on a quad bike, but you wouldn't be able to jump things. No, and that must be the like the best bit. Well, somebody, somebody had had quoted me apparently saying um, that that uh, it's not hunting unless you're jumping and they'd quoted this at a huntsman and the huntsman had been very sniffy about it but she said you're absolutely right oh yeah this was a this was a this was a random team james person that i discovered on the hunt like i i offered my um my hip flask to the to the woman next to me and um you know and she she, she had some we got talking she said are you james Pole? and i said yeah she said, oh Wow, Tom, Tom, quickly! This is James <laughs> Dellingpole. So, I, so I had at least two. I, I expect most of them ideologically were more Team Tobes than Team James, but, but, but I did definitely. She, her, um, her name was Nikki, and, um, and I'm sure that my hosts were were, were, were Team James, but, but probably everyone else. If you if you tested their their politics, they were probably Team Tobes. Right, right. Well, they sound like a sensible bunch. Um, so I've, I haven't had nearly such an exciting weekend, James. So um, Caroline has gone yeah. to Barbados for two weeks on a freebie. Um, and um, I say freebie, she had to pay for the flights, but her best buddy um, gets to go to a really nice, luxurious resort in Barbados for two weeks yeah. each year and in return has to... Uh, be available to play tennis with and coach the residents um, and the other guests. And we um, should have and done, we should have learned tennis, Tobes. I Never know. mind all the rubbish we learned. Yeah, We'd have been much I know. better off. Uh, much better off. Yeah, because um, she's quite uh, good, isn't she? 
She's quite good now, yeah. She's in the ladies' first team at the local uh, leisure club, uh, oh. David Lloyd. Um, but anyway, so this friend of hers, who's a tennis coach, at the head of tennis at the local David Lloyd, um, invited her to accompany her. So she has to kind of, you know, play tennis with the guests for a couple of hours a day. But apart from that, it's just lounging by the pool, drinking cocktails. You are anyway, owed so much. Um, I know. That, I, I, I'm, I'm now at the top of a brownie point mountain um yeah so you yeah are. i'll be i'll be gazing down on caroline i think you will be allowed to return with any number of supermodels <laughs> in return for that that self-sacrifice well I, I it does mean i'm having to play mother um uh while she's away yeah, to, to so 11 I've been children a lot, a lot of cooking and cleaning and dog walking this weekend um it's a sort of taste of what it must be like to be you know um a widower um but or, uh, or a woman even <laughs> or even I mean, a woman, yeah. You, you, it's not something you choose, I don't think. No, well, I think I think it's 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 not that I never do any of these things before. Um, you know, um, in the normal course of events, it's just in the normal course of events. You know, she probably does the lion's share, but they're shared. Um, whereas when it's just you having to cook and clean and do the washing and walk the dog and help with the children's homework and make sure they get to school on time, it's pretty exhausting. It's pretty exhausting to do that. And do everything else. Yeah. Um, you know, run the Daily Skeptic and the Free Speech Union and write my spectator column. And I'm off to Brighton this evening to talk at a, a Free Speech Union regional speakeasy. And I've got, to, I've got to give three speeches this week, in fact. So, so who's looking after the three. kids while you're, while you're... Oh, they'll be they'll be looking after themselves while I'm in Brighton. <laughs> but they're able to do that. I mean, the youngest I've seen, I've seen movies. The, the, the whole movies have been based on that premise. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I hope it won't animal be Animal House, Home Alone. I don't <laughs> uh, yeah, I, if I was going away for the weekend, I would be worried about, yeah, Animal House, a Facebook party of some kind. But, uh, uh, yeah, um, uh, I don't think they'll do that just because I'm away for one evening. Plus, my, my eldest son, who's 17, has got his um, A-levels coming up. And my second eldest, who's 15, has got his GCSEs coming up. So they're not quite so irresponsible that they'd have a massive party on the eve of these important exams. No, exactly. Yeah. Let's hope not anyway. So yeah, I'm, I'm sort of a bit, uh, I'm, I'm a bit uh, knackered at the moment. I had to get up at 7.30 today to wake them all up and then, which is not, not my usual MO, I can tell you. Um, we should probably have our first ad, James, and I think it's you, or rather our second, our second ad. We, we absolutely should. If you're responsible for a business... And for commercial or buy-to-let property, you're probably keeping a weather eye on the economy right now. Enter Dan Gaskin, cheerful fellow sceptic and owner of Crest Mortgages. Dan is an ex-Royal Navy warfare officer who has bought and sold companies and thrives on making sure you are financially protected and provided for with mortgages, life assurance, equity release or other specialist lending. Whether you're Team Toby or Team James, Dan will help you navigate through stormy economic seas. Dan is also interested in networking with fellow established business owners in order to find opportunities to work with people looking for investment in their company or are looking to implement their exit strategy. To talk through commercial and financial challenges in complete confidence, call 0116 502 3000. And do please connect at www.linkedin.com forward slash in forward slash Dan Gaskin. And to be FCA compliant, Crest Mortgages is a trading style of Epiphany Investments. 
Limited, which is an appointed representative of the Open Work Partnership, a trading style of Open Work Limited, which is authorised and regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority. We choose to be part of the Open Work Partnership and award-winning network. Your house may be repossessed if you do not keep up with repayments on your mortgage. Now onto this wonderful sponsor, Heroes and Heretics. Heroes and Heretics is our favourite supplier of hand-picked, independently bottled spirits. Without a doubt, its incredible selection of whiskey, rum and American single-cask offerings are both affordable and luxurious. Their products are all limited editions, but delivered with an inflation-busting, cost-effective package that represents eye-watering value. Catering for the connoisseur and the normie alike, Heroes and Heretics' beautiful selection of single malts, single cask rums and imported American whiskey and bourbons will literally blow your mind. Join The Collective, an online whiskey club where you'll receive hefty discounts, pre-release bottles and sublime samples. Subscribers to The Collective even have the opportunity to vote for a special quarterly cask to be bottled just for the members. Signing up to Heroes and Heretics Collective is completely free, so treat yourself, use the special London Calling code, London Calling 15, to receive 15% off your first purchase and many future benefits. The sign-up page is hahcws.com slash join hyphen the hyphen collective slash. So that's hah as in Heroes and Heretics cws.com slash Join the collective, and join the collective is hyphenated. So, James, um, I don't know if you've been following this, um, the aftermath of um, William Shawcross's Prevent review, but it makes for sort of simultaneously hair-raising and comical reading. Uh, Douglas Murray um, wrote about it um, in The Spectator this week. But um, essentially, Prevent, which was originally set up, um, to um, counter domestic terrorism and to prevent young Muslim men from being radicalised by Islamist groups um, uh, has departed quite far from that original purpose. And it's, it's, it's now the main preoccupation of the programme and its personnel is to prevent people uh, being radicalised by the far right. Even though um, right-wing domestic terrorists account for less than 25% of terrorist incidents and Islamist domestic terrorists over 75, over 75% of prevents activity is focused on far-right terrorism and about 25% on Islamist terrorism. So they've got their priorities absolutely back to front. Um, uh, But the list of... um, you know, gateway drugs, which can supposedly turn ordinary conservatives into frothing at the mouth far right terrorists is absolutely breathtaking. Um, So one of them was um, Douglas Murray's book, I think, uh, about the death of Europe, um, which was a Sunday Times bestseller. Um, but in a, and that's why he wrote about it, and he's pretty cross about it. Um, so oh, you, why is he cross? Come on, it's a badge of honour, Tony. I mean, <laughs> well, I, I I, I'd almost think that this report was put well, out expressly to promote his book. Well, <laughs> certainly. I mean, uh, I think Come I suppose on, he's you're not cross, he's, cross he's, about he, something like that, are you? Not good, really. I mean, because all, well, all, all your all your followers are going to be saying, "Yeah, I'm so 
I'm so out there and radical. I'm 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 more dangerous than a than an Islamic terrorist <laughs> like me. <laughs> I'm so edgy. Uh, well, I suppose I suppose that the if ta- it is you know it's taxpayers' money that's oh, funding. Oh yeah, I, 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 I'm with you um, there. It's, it's disgusting. I mean, but. you kind of think, well, why aren't they actually focusing on protecting us from people who might actually you know um, detonate suicide bombs in crowded arenas? Why are they squandering these? taxpayer-funded resources on monitoring people who are reading books by Douglas Murray. And it's not just Douglas Murray. It's, um, okay, the TV programmes, okay, which are warning signs, are, yes, Minister, the thick of it. Um, uh, films include, like, the, these, these are, these are, these are, if you watch these films, you're on the cusp of becoming a right-wing terrorist. Um, the Dam Busters, um, uh, uh, Zulu. It's because of the name of the dog, isn't it? Guy Gibson's uh, the, dog. That's, that's the problem. <laughs> yeah, it could be Guy, Guy, Guy Gibson's dog. Yeah, um, uh, but and book, book, other books apart from you know the strange death of liberal Europe, whatever it's called, the Lord of the Rings, Aldous Huxley's Brave New World, the Secret Agent by Joseph Conrad, Orwell's nineteen eighty four, the poems of G.K. Chesterton. This one flummoxed me: the Bridge on the River Kwai. What, yeah. <laughs> why is that a kind of why is that a kind of totem of far well, right extremism? He became a collaborator, didn't he? So I don't see how. Alec Guinness essentially went bonkers yeah. and, and, and wanted to help the Japanese build their bridge because he was proud of his achievement of the anti Yeah, yeah. That yeah was, but that, that's, when you think about it, actually... That is, is it promoting? Little... It's not promoting collaboration with authoritarian regimes, though, is it? Maybe, it, maybe it's because it involves... An, I don't know, maybe it's because, um, you know, the British... Uh, oh, no, the American, um, you know, special forces operative, played by William Holden... Yes. ends up blowing up the bridge and maybe it's like thought to be it could be a justification for terrorism um uh, because you know in the end he kind of disrupts the japanese infrastructure by blowing up the bridge in spite of i don't buy by the way that anyone reads conrad these days whoever whoever put this 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 list together was ju- they'd heard of this book title, The Secret Agent, and just thought, yeah. And yeah. they'd heard it was about, you know, what, terrorists in... About terrorists and stuff. In the turn but, of the but world, nobody, yeah. I mean, he's almost, he's almost unreadable, isn't he? I mean, he's, he's, he's quite heavy going, I'd say. Uh, if yeah. you're a committed people, people extremist, though. Watch Apocalypse Now, then, then have to... I would have thought so, yeah. Plow through Heart so. of Darkness. Yeah, rather than, yeah, but The Heart of Darkness is quite short. I remember enjoying it when I was a teenager. You didn't... Oh, what, the movie? Or the book? No, no, the book, yeah. No, you didn't enjoy it. Have I you did. Pretended I did. You were enjoying no, it. Well, it's always hard to tell, isn't it, when you're that young? But yeah, no, yeah, I read that. You, you didn't I read enjoy uh, Nostromo as well. Yeah. Uh, the uh, anyway, uh, you'd have thought the N word of the Narcissus would be a book that they would have flagged up as a, a totem of right wing, far right extremism. Not have we done. By the way, on this subject, have we done Roald Dahl? Oh no! Let's go on. Let's come on to Roald Dahl. That's yeah, because that's pretty extraordinary. I mean, I, look as you know, I don't really have much truck with with stories that that go in the newspapers. But I just think. But my question, well, I suppose you want to explain what's happened to Roald Dahl first of all, haven't you? Yeah. So, um, so Puffin, which is um, the kind of junior Edible branch bird that you've eaten. Of, of, <laughs> 
that's what I've also eaten a puffin, yeah, in Iceland. But puffin is the kind of uh, junior branch of the children's wing of penguin. Um, and uh, they recently brought out new editions, I think, of the collected works of Roald Dahl, in which um, which have been which have been uh, uh, changed by sensitivity readers uh, to make them um, less offensive and uh, to bring them up to date with modern sensibilities and well, alleged uh, the- modern sensibilities. Alleged modern sensibilities, yeah, uh, and it's pretty extraordinary and um, the extent of the boldlerisation. Um, uh, so I'm going to give you a couple of examples. So um, one was, yeah, um, in the witches, one of the characters is described as even if she is working as a, so you can be a witch even if she is working as a cashier in a supermarket or typing letters for a businessman. That's been changed to even if she is working as a top scientist. Or running a business, because uh, presumably I, the <laughs> describing women as being likely to work as cashiers in supermarkets or typing letters for a businessman, i.e. working as secretaries, is demeaning and sexist. And uh, instead, we should imagine them as top scientists. I'm so glad you, you, you found those examples, Tobes, because I, I'm, I'm more offended by those than I am of the ones where they've removed any references to fat to fatness or blackness, even when they're describing a sort of black tractor or something, they've decided to remove the colour yeah. in case anyone anyone of colour, less than anyone of colour, be offended. But you're absolutely right. When you've got got something as as nakedly feminist as as, as that, all all women have to have jobs as top scientists or running a business. They can't they can't be secretaries or supermarket cashiers anymore ever. Yeah. Yeah, and weirdly, not not only have all references to blackness being expunged, but turning white has become turning quite pale. Yeah, yeah. As though even that could be racially triggering. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, and you're right, fat. So um, a fat, juicy little child has become a juicy little child. And I think all references to um, Augustus Gloop's fatness have been expunged from Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Uh, um, it is quite extraordinary, isn't it? Um, the kind of degree of license they've taken with what should be surely, um, uh, you know, um, texts which uh, these sensitivity readers and editors at Puffin shouldn't really imagine they can improve upon. Well, my um, my immediate response was, what is the Roald Dahl estate doing about this? Because it yes. seems to me absolutely wrong that you should ever be able to change the... The, the, the written word of, of, of a established author um, after he, after he's dead, but apparently it the estate it sold out his books to is it Netflix? Oh, is that right? Yeah. So there, there's no longer have any. So so, so in, in other words, nobody nobody has got the role to start dollar states back because they're probably all right. thinking, well, we we've, we've made like bandits from this deal, so we don't really care anymore. What what? Yeah. And, you know, and they've been apologising retrospectively for whatever to what granddad, foulmouth, cantankerous granddad or great granddad said, which I think is none of their business really. You know, he he was he was who he was, and um, and his fiction ought to stay the way it was. I think. Yeah, I mean, it, 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 I suppose in some respects it reflects the kind of the cynicism of publishers um, who don't 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 see themselves as kind of custodians of kind of great works of literature so much as custodians of successful franchises and you know so so their duty is not to the books 
or to Roald Dahl's memory. Uh, their, their duty is to make as much money as they possibly can by milking the Roald Dahl franchise, even if that I don't means... think it's a money thing, Tobes. I really don't. I, I, because there would, there would be no money in... I can't imagine that a single book sale is going to be generated by these the, these changes. So it's not they're not doing it for commercial reasons. They're doing it because the entirety of the publishing industry has been captured by the same forces which have captured the universities, which have captured they've 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 they've, they've, they've this is the long march through the institutions. Well, yeah. No, I didn't mean I didn't I wasn't I didn't mean that they're doing it for commercial reasons. Um, I meant that what they think of themselves as publishing now um, is not the works of Roald Dahl, oh, I see exactly, what you mean, yeah. but the product of the Roald Dahl franchise, yeah, even yeah. if there is no commercial motive. It's a kind of very corporate, commodified, rather kind of um, uh, unliterary way of regarding what publishers do. Um, I mean, if the books have any literary merit... You know, why are you changing them? And presumably, I mean, it's as though it's not the books that they're in the business of publishing anymore. It's something else. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, Um, sure. But I thought of it, the the, the bodlerisation, the corruption of literature by sensitivity readers is now running amok it's out of control and i thought of quite a good way to um draw attention to this in a way which isn't too didactic or or, or kind of uh, outraged which is um what you do is a, a, a particular author reached out to me recently quite a well-known author um but old-fashioned you know um probably listens to the london calling um small c conservative i'd say don't know um uh, and he was complaining about a fight he's got into with his publisher over a book that he's written and they've bought and they're about to publish and on the advice of various sensitivity readers they're asking him to change various words and passages in the text and he's understandably furious about this um, and he has passed on to me some of the exchanges between him and his editor. And it's 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 comic gold, James. So his editor is trying to be as diplomatic and as inoffensive as he possibly can be, trying to coax this author into agreeing to what the editor clearly regards as very minor changes. And the author is getting more and more angry and irascible um, uh, and kind of railing at the ignorance um, and uh, insensitivity, in fact, to what he's trying to write and the effects he's trying to achieve of the sensitivity readers. And it's a fantastic exchange. And when I read it, I just thought, wow, this would make make a brilliant scene in a documentary play. So I've now had this idea, which is you create a documentary play. You know, a documentary play is a play in which actors read words said by real people. Like Anne and Philem do all the time. Yes. um, Yeah. Um, so you do you you get you get sort of like a dozen of these exchanges between authors and sensitivity readers or publishers relaying the advice of sensitivity readers, um, uh, and, and you and you you chop them up and create a kind of wonderfully entertaining, hilariously funny ninety-minute documentary play, which isn't beating people about the head with why this is so wrong, but kind of it, it definitely I you think. It, 
that message will land kind of effortlessly, just partly because the authors are obviously so much more intelligent and so much more erudite than the publishers and sensitivity readers trying to change their work. I mean, I think it's a great idea. And if anyone listening to London Calling has any experience with kind of actually helping to produce or create documentary plays, get in touch. Toby Young at macmac.com. Oh, good. Well done, Tebs. You've got another thing to do when you're in between <laughs> looking after children and doing the free speech union. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure when I'll, when I'll have well, the time. Well, because, because you're on the spectrum, Tebs, you can't help it. It's just you're driven. You're, you're like, but it's, but it's good. I mean, it keeps you happy. It keeps you, look, yeah. you, I've got my hunting and you've got your, your worker, worker <laughs> Listen, time for another ad, I think, and it's my yeah. turn this time. Um, so we all know how ExpressVPN protects your privacy and security online, right? But here's something you might not know. You can also use ExpressVPN to unlock movies and shows that are only available in other countries. If you're like me and you've run out of stuff to watch on Netflix, this will change your world. ExpressVPN lets you control where you want sites to think you're located. You can choose from almost 100 different countries. So just imagine all the Netflix libraries you can go through. But it's not just Netflix. ExpressVPN works with any streaming service. Hulu, BBC iPlayer, YouTube, you name it. There are hundreds of VPNs out there, but the reason I use ExpressVPN to watch shows is because it's ridiculously fast. There's never any buffering or lag, and you can stream in HD, no problem. ExpressVPN also works on all your devices, phones, media consoles, smart TVs, and more. So you can watch what you want on the big screen or on the go. So if you want to get access to hundreds of new shows, go to expressvpn.com slash London right now, and you can get an extra three months of ExpressVPN for free. That's expressvpn.com slash London, expressvpn.com slash London to learn more. So, James, what else is happening in your world? Well, I, I have to say, I'm just thinking about the weird, weird thing that I have to tell you for Culture Corner. So, <laughs> but we won't, we, we can't do that yet. Cause, uh, we can't we quite do that culture, yet. We haven't got there yet. Um, what, what else, what else is, well, is rocking we, your we, 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 we ran a really good story in the Daily Skeptic on Sunday about the uh, Global Disinformation Index. So this came up recently because the Washington Examiner has been running a series about the way in which disinformation and misinformation um, are weaponized now by state-funded agencies um, to suppress dissent. So we're this seventy-seventh or, or uh, no? Ones. Well, in this case, we're talking about not state agencies, but private companies funded by the state or part-funded by the state. So. Um, the Global Disinformation Index is a British private company um, that is um, funded by the US State Department via an intermediate body to the tune of hundreds of thousands of dollars, according to the Washington Examiner. And it's also funded by the London, by the Foreign Commonwealth and Development Office. Um, so our own government our own taxpayers and who and, are these people have you have you looked well, into the names and stuff i have i didn't really ring any bells with me they look like kind of well one of them is also on the atlantic council um and another has been involved in a kind of un campaign 
So they're kind of, you know, part of the kind of NGO think tank. Possibly spooks even. You just don't know. They have uh, one of the people on one of the people on the advisory board of the of the Global Disinformation Index is an apple bomb, which rather surprised me, given that she's a regular contributor to the Spectator. But anyway, um, and it's also the uh, it, it, Why Reuters are, are involved. Well, I don't, I just it's just. I mean, I, I mean, look. The, anyway, it, let it, me tell you what they've done sorry, before you yeah. get to outreach. So, so one of the things the Global Disinformation Index does is it compiles lists of publications. Uh, news publishing, news publisher websites um, that it, it it wants it wants advertisers companies to stop advertising on. Yeah, um, and it's come up with a with a list of the ten least risky and the ten most risky. And on the ten most risky sites, these are sites that it's actively working to get demonetized. Are the Washington Examiner, uh, the American Spectator, Real Clear Politics, um, uh, um, the Federalist. Um, reason um, it's quite extraordinary uh, the New York reason. Post reason I know reason <laughs> are just so lightweight I mean cupped and actually some of their stuff is just I mean it's the work of the enemy yeah, they purport to be libertarians but some of the causes that they represent are extremely dodgy well it shows you just how broad um, uh, the global disinformation index's definition Do they of mention disinformation the is. Uh, yeah, it, 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 we don't know if it, if it has, in fact, um, it, it calls this the block list. So we don't know if uh, it's block listed the Daily Skeptic, but I wouldn't be surprised. It's not I on the ten. It's not on the ten most risky, um, but. Um, it's 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 just uh, on its website it it tells you how it defines disinformation and why it has ranked and and how it kind of evaluates different publications although needless to say it isn't totally transparent about it but it says that breitbart for instance is um responsible for uh disseminating disinformation because it uses the term um illegal alien to describe what it refers to as undocumented migrants and refer and it has a kind of section you can find on the Breitbart search function whereby you can find crimes committed by illegal aliens. And it says, even though there's nothing factually inaccurate about these reports, these crimes actually happened and they were com- committed by, you know, if you're not describing them euphemistically, illegal aliens. Nonetheless, it's designed to foster what it calls an adversarial narrative about undocumented migrants and for that reason we're classifying it as disinformation so it's defining essentially saying even if what you've reported is factually true we're still going to describe it as disinformation if we ideologically disapprove of your agenda i mean it is absolutely extraordinary and the foreign office james is funding this stuff I, I agree. It's outrageous. We, we, this is why I'm now essentially an anarchist, and I don't mean in in, in, in the sort of pejorative sense, which it's which we've been brainwashed into thinking is the, is the meaning of it. it. It's just that, rather, it's that I think we can all function much much better without the 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 kind of overweening state which 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 behaves in this incredibly controlling way. I mean, I the the government is not our friend, and the fact that it's 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 funding organizations like this and sort of through the back door in a way isn't it it's all it's all kind of yeah it, it's a bit slippery yeah so, it's by more the way, sli- interestingly it's more it's more slippery in the u.s than it is here 
So um, things like Prevent and the Counter Disinformation Unit that was based at DCMS and the, I think it still is at DCMS, 77th Brigade, they are all organs, agencies of the state. In the US, it's that they do it, they tend to do it at one, 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 one remove in order to avoid um, falling afoul of the First Amendment. Imagine being the kind of slime ball who takes a job like that. I mean, suppose, suppose, Tobes, they offered you, I don't know, $250,000 a year to become head of one of these, I don't know, the Internet Monitoring and Correction Institute. Would you you take it? (laughs) I don't think I would, no. 500 grand? (laughs) Well, I hope not, James. I wouldn't Um, do it for a million. I don't think it's likely to happen. I wouldn't do it for 10, 10 million. Um, I suddenly thought, Tobes, we, we, we must mention, I feel, feel guilty for not having gone there, and I, I might have gone had I not been riding to hands. The, the protest in Oxford, in Oxford at the weekend yeah. against 15-minute cities, which are a really worrying thing, aren't they? Yeah, the, 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 um, uh, the, I think the mayor of Oxford, um, who was interviewed, I I think I saw her interview. I thought it was on the BBC. I can't remember. But anyway, she said that I think she described them as as traffic calming measures or measures <laughs> intended to reduce congestion in crowded cities. That's a lie. Which which seemed um, seemed to be putting quite a positive spin on it. Um, uh, but we all we, we've discussed this before. Yeah. So what what 15 minute cities are, what, what the, well, the concept is that um, with, with cities will be divided up into zones and in each zone there'll be everything you could possibly need schools hospitals banks pharmacies so you'd have no compelling reason to leave your zone sometimes they're referred or, or to cell, by the way terms you know what they're called in bath they call them cells <laughs> c-e-l-l-s <laughs> like prison cells so they're, they're not even right. they're pretending anymore well but and and, and how they're going to um discourage people from leaving their cells is that um you'll be you'll be allowed to drive from one cell to another for x number of times per year say a hundred times a year in your um petrol or diesel fueled motor vehicle i don't think there's a restriction if you're in an electric car um uh, and if you exceed your allotted quota um then you'll 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 you'll, you'll be fined um, a bit like if you enter a low traffic neighborhood um, and so in that way um, they're going to try and um, uh, discourage people from leaving their 20 minute zones or their cells if you're in bath and this is and and th- th- this is it's it's an idea which seems to be kind of spreading i don't i don't quite know where it originated well it's, um, it's, it's top uh, down it's very, it, this has been planned if you listen to my um, recent podcast with somebody called Sandy Adams, she's she's been following this story for for um, many many years, and she's found the documentation that, that this this dates back at least to the nineteen ninety two Rio Earth Summit, which spawned Agenda Twenty One as it was initially called, and also Local Agenda Twenty Twenty One, which is essentially. Um, the infiltration of every every local government by by the same agenda. So so these these slightly thick, busybody, um, left leaning town councillors they get persuaded that in order to save the planet they must follow this agenda and they they move in lockstep around the world. This this is being rolled out 
you know everywhere from from Ghent to Toronto to to Bath to all all these well, Oxford obviously Canterbury Edinburgh. all these these town councils are loving it because they become you know you too can be Hitler for a day or well, for, well, for, for, for and they also time. love it they also love it because um when when you know they, they make a huge they stand to make a huge amount of money from fining drivers who either aren't aware that they've exceeded their allotted zone crossing quota or um uh are just prepared to pay the fine because they've got to get their kids on school or got to so you wonder hospital. when when is everyone going to going to turn team james because i mean the stories like this terms must make you a bit more oh I, I maybe i am team james after all because this this has all been centrally planned and this is top down new world order stuff well, there's the documentation to support this. I, I can, I can, I can believe that um, it originated with one particular kind of international body. But um, where I part, and, and I and I don't disbelieve that. You know, that's also true of other liberty infringing policies, particularly uh, to do with trying to mitigate the risk of climate change. Uh, where we disagree, I think, is not is not that there is a kind of uh, a common route to a lot of these ideas. I think where we disagree is in the manner in which they are rolled out and imposed. And I think this is probably a good example. You don't need to, you know, coerce in any way or bribe these um, town hall Sir Humphreys um, to embrace this policy. Uh, Groupthink is enough. You just kind of seed the idea, persuade them that this is part of their purpose that if they do it they'll be saving mankind and if they don't they'll be part of the problem um and you know you've got them as kind of loyal soldiers in your cause it's it's groupthink and um the dissemination of particular narratives um it's 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 not it, i don't think it goes beyond that i think that's where we part company oh yes well you Obviously, anyway, I'm, roads, I'm, 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 all I'm, roads I'm, lead to You'll be there in the end, Tony. Question, <laughs> but anyway, I'm, I'm, I'm as unsympathetic to 15-minute cities as you are. And yes, there was a demonstration against the plan to um, uh, impose this policy in Oxford. I mean, one of the, one of the, um, uh, one of the things about this agenda is that it's being rolled out, as you say, across scotland england and wales without any proper consent so you know i don't think it was in any of the local manifestos of any of the parties currently controlling these councils although no one ever reads those manifestos anyway um but they've also in some cases consulted about it like in london for instance sadiq khan has consulted about expanding the ulez zone whereby you know, you'll have to pay. It's like the congestion charge, but if you're in the wrong type of car, you'll have to pay a penalty or a fine or a charge if you enter this much expanded Ulez zone. And he consulted about it, and the the response to the consultation was overwhelmingly negative. And I think that's also true of Oxford. I think the response to the consultation was broadly negative. Oh yeah, People nobody wants want this stuff. This. Uh, but they they they, they imposed it anyway. Um, uh, <laughs> do you know what? Terms, bit, I do, good... do you know what? Reckon, reckon, because this is quite a common problem. You, you, I mean, you, you used to be. Well, we both used to be very keen on on Brexit. Um, I, I don't. I think it was a, it was all a con now. But but at the time, I believed in it, and you did as well. Um, and we watched, didn't we, as various countries, the populists were were in Ireland. They had they had had two referenda, didn't they? Um, they had referenda in quite a few countries, yep. and. Yep regardless of whether whether or not they they voted for um you know no 
uh, even if they they voted they wanted to leave they were they were given they, they were forced to stay regardless they, so their democratic yeah. will was just completely ignored and this is happening all over the place now in in, in things like this nobody wants 15 minute cities apart from a few a, a few sort of crazed power mad local councillors that uh, who who oughtn't to be get, given the power to make these decisions yeah. um and and well, what do you think i mean don't you think democracy is now broken beyond well, repair no, I think um, some people might be able to stand as, I mean, as independents in places like Oxford, But what if, the, what if the, these 15-minute cities are up by then? I mean, you, you, I think you have far too much faith in, in our ability to change these things through the ballot box because well, there was, the damage there was is being done already. There was, uh, I'm less pessimistic about that, as you know. Um, but there was quite a good suggestion, I thought, in a piece by Ross Clark in the Sunday Telegraph. Uh, might have just been online, but he was saying, look, here's, here's, a, here's an open goal for Rishi Sunak. These schemes are unpopular. It's particularly unpopular in London. The Tories need to do something to revive their flagging electoral fortunes. Why not intervene and overrule these local mayors and town halls Sir Humphreys? Um, because he's the uh, WF's man, placeman is well, why. I mean, he, he'll never intervene because he's well, on think, board I with think the programme. I think they might intervene in London and, and stop the extension of the ULA zone. Uh, okay. I don't see how it can do the Tories. But that's just a kind of, London. that's just a, uh, having a go at the left. What, why, if he's going to intervene in London, why is London important? But why does, why does Bath not matter? Why does, why does Canterbury not matter? You can't have cities, uh, great, great cities turned into a sort of simulacrum of of the Hunger Games. I mean, the 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 Hunger Games warned us that this was this was the plan, because the author of the Hunger Games you know, came from the, those kind of communities which which knew about this stuff, because this has been planned over decades. And the, like, if 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 your 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 Conservative government, not my Conservative government, actually cared about the sort of things that you and I think a Conservative government should be doing, but I, I now accept will never do then surely they ought to be saying enough is enough. This is insanity. We can't have our country um, ruined in this way. But they're not because they don't give a toss. Well, I think, the, with it. I, think, well I think the argument for, um, I'm less pessimistic than you, and I think the argument for central government intervention to stop what appear to be pretty arbitrary and punitive taxes being imposed on motorists, I think the case is pretty strong. And... Um, I'm I'm not completely sure that they won't intervene, not just in London, but elsewhere, too. Um, uh, and that would, I think, you know, partly be for democratic reasons, because they know they're unpopular and that doing this would make the government a bit more popular. Mm, but yeah. we'll see. Um, maybe I'm being naive. Yes, I'm um, afraid <laughs> that could be on your. That's going to be on your gravestone, Tobes. Maybe, I, maybe I'm being naive. I'm just trying to be nice. I don't think I'm being naive for a second. But anyway, um, so uh, I think one more ad this time from you, James. If you are a business owner that likes to jump to the news news highlights, you'll love Indeed. With Indeed Instant Match, you can instantly receive a list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job description. Hiring? You need Indeed. Indeed is the hiring platform where you can attract, interview and hire all in one place. Don't spend hours on multiple job sites looking for candidates with the right skills when you can do it all with Indeed. Find top talent fast with Indeed's suite of powerful hiring tools like Indeed Instant Match assessments and virtual interviews. 
Hate waiting? Indeed's US data shows over 80% of Indeed employers find quality candidates whose resume on Indeed matches their job description the moment they sponsor a job. Something I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because Indeed does the hard work for you. Sponsor a job and boom. Instant Match shows you candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your job description immediately after you post. With Instant Match, you can start hiring fast. Join over 3 million businesses worldwide using Indeed to hire great talent fast. Indeed knows when you're growing your own business, you have to make every dollar count. That's why with Indeed, you only pay for quality applications that match your must-have job requirements. Visit indeed.com London to start hiring now. Just go to indeed.com London. Indeed.com London. Terms and conditions apply. Cost per application pricing not available for everyone. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Indeed. Okay, James. So um, you said you had some hot hot news. Uh, well, for I Corner. did the weirdest the weirdest cultural thing. So this I, I had a weekend of weirdness, so contrasting experiences. So on, on Saturday I, I had my hunt, but on Friday I went down to Bath, um, lovely, about to be completely ruined by fifteen minute city Bath, to see this band called The Musical Box. And The Musical Box are a bunch of French Canadians who specialise in recreating exactly as they would have been early Genesis concerts. Wow. (laughs) Now, I don't know whether you were ever a Genesis fan. Not Um, really. Well, that's because you didn't have... um, Had had you gone to boarding school in the... when When I did, you would have found that lots of people were into this, this kind of prog rock it was the, it was the older it was probably the older boys passing down their musical taste it was exactly the boys, that the it? older boys passed yeah. down their, their their stupid obsessions <laughs> yeah. um is that why david is that why david uh, cameron was a fan of um yes, super tramp exactly yeah. that i'm sure Fleetwood he would Mac. listen to listen to genesis as well yeah and this one was possibly one of the more annoying early genesis albums this was the lamb lies down on broadway when when you you can actually hear on every song Peter Gabriel disappearing up his own bottom. Uh, I mean, it's it's just it's a it's a concept album. It's about it's got. I, I think he's well dodgy, Peter Gabriel, because it, uh, I don't know whether you're aware he was on one of those. I don't think it was the Club of Rome, but it might have been the Club of of one of the other places that essentially pushing the New World Order agenda that 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 that, that includes. 15 minute cities sustainability all these all these buzzwords and buzz phrases he is very much with the the, the control freaks program and uh it, this i think this was this was the album where where the rest of the band members must be going oh god what's 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 gabriel doing now he's <laughs> writing he's writing a rock opera about a puerto rican called rail who gets his penis chops off and disappears into this fantasy world to try and recover this, and there he meets Lily White Lilith and uh, blah, blah, blah. But nonetheless, it was really worth seeing because of the absolute fidelity to the era and, and everything. So you've got this this French-Canadian who, who clearly can't speak English very well because when he speaks, he speaks with this very strong French accent. But he sings exactly like Peter Gabriel does on the record. You would not guess that he was not, not Peter Gabriel, in fact. And, and the band, they play... There's, there's, you know, there's a guy playing um, Steve Hackett 
who does all the sort of pretty melodic guitar bits and a guy a keyboard player tony banks doing the mellotrons and so on and then you've got you've got the drummer who who can also sing a bit like phil collins and 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 the the slides they used at the back were, were the original projection slides used on the original tour um so it was a yeah it was an interesting experience um oh that sounds good james um did you quite enjoy it how far is bath from where you are uh about two and a half hours right two okay. no, two and a quarter hours worth the trip oh oh definitely i mean i, I went with dick um my brother so it was a sort of sort of brother quality brother experience i had not listened to the lamb lies down on broadway since probably i was at university so it was it was a real nostalgia trip just just because you could not help but being taken back in time to to your lost probably wasted youth by right. listening to right. these songs yeah. and I, could, if a, I could i could see it being appealing if um if it was a band i liked and listened to at the time like uh, you know the sex pistols or the Stranglers. of course you were going to name the cool bands tapes or, or you're going to name the clash as well weren't you the and clash like, yeah, I could, that would work the clash anyway so yeah the, the the only more or less the only break i got my weekend was so busy what with playing mum as well as yeah. writing you know the ceo's report for the free speech union board papers which have to go out today um the only the only um more or less the only break i got was watching qpr for 90 minutes um uh, uh use it using express vpn actually because you can't watch it if you're located in the uk so i had to pretend i was in america and by doing so was able to pay 10 pounds to watch the match i've always computer. found that tremendous frustration not being able to watch qpr when i want yeah <laughs> express vpn can help me with that problem james well that's good. anyway um and uh and only to see qpr lose three one uh to uh middlesbrough is that um, not normal and, well um it is normal these days we haven't that that, that brings that brings our our winless total to uh i think 11 so i think we now haven't won in 11 games our new manager neil critchley um, who's only been in post for about 10 weeks, has played 12 games and uh, has only won one of them, which means his win percentage is 8.3 recurring, the lowest of any QPR manager in its history. We've only won one game in 17 now, James. Our form since we last won at home on October 22nd uh, has been the worst in the league. We were top of the table back in October we're now 17th and plummeting towards the relegation zone it's been an unqualified disaster and yesterday Neil Critchley was fired and is so he hasn't an found a replacement yet I've seen a TV comedy series about this you get get an American yeah. manager <laughs> if, and, if and Ted suddenly... Lasso is available I would take him at this point uh, whoever we get will be our fourth manager in less than nine months um, it's the whole club is in chaos and turmoil it's really depressing my son Freddie um, turned to me and said, Dad, we live equidistant between QPR and Brentford. 
Why didn't you support Brentford? If we were all now Brentford supporters, you know, we'd be like ninth in the Premier League. We'd be challenging for Europe. Um, Whereas, you know, we're looking at relegation to League One with QPR. It is so depressing being a QPR fan at the moment. I cannot tell you, James. But having said that, I did get a a, a someone um, uh, paying £250 for the privilege of coming to a game with me next weekend uh, via my QPR substack. Um, so, uh, yeah, it wasn't... Oh, wow. <laughs> so, yeah, I know, I'm not, not in your... I know people pay, people pay that just to get a photograph with you, James, but it's big news in my world. Wow. Um, well, well, anyway, with that. Thanks. So... Um, the only bit I, I I I haven't actually had a chance to really watch anything on television. Certainly not at the cinema. But my my fifteen year old son did go and see Ant Man and the Wasp: Quantumania, which he said was absolutely awful, which is predictable. Um, and it did it did get me thinking about how comprehensively you know Marvel Studios have now jumped the shark. I mean, they haven't produced anything decent since Avengers: Endgame. I know you were never as much of a fan of the MCU as me but um it's extraordinary the the um precipitous decline in quality i mean the last um doctor strange movie doctor strange in the multiverse of madness that was poor and i thought by god it can't get much worse than that and then then i saw thor love and thunder the third of the thor movies and that was by some distance even worse than um, the new Doctor Strange movie. It was like a kind of gay comedy had been kind of grafted onto, you know, the world's most successful franchise. It was bloody odd. Is that featuring um, our sponsor? But, uh, sorry? Is that featuring our sponsor, uh, one of our, our show sponsors? Uh, no, no, not that thought. Another oh. thought. <laughs> um, and, that would be uh, quite funny, actually, wouldn't it? If, I, if... I, was, I was wondering, I mean, I was wondering what the worst thing Marvel has done since Avengers Endgame is. And there are quite a few contenders, like uh, the She-Hulk, the Eternals. Um, but I think the worst one is has got to be the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special. They couldn't even bring, bring themselves to use the word Christmas. And if I've, I've, I've kind of ranted about this before, but... I watched it with my kids drunk on Christmas Eve and it's like a 40 minute special and it and it, and it features all the characters in Guardians of the Galaxy but it's kind of like a a light-hearted spoof and my god it's bad James it's so unbelievably bad you just think how can the people that made Guardians of the Galaxy 1 have gone from that to this i mean the the, the it's like it's like kind of Ancient Egypt compared to present-day Egypt. I mean, it, the, the, the degree of decline is just mind-boggling. And it hasn't taken, you know, 2,000-plus years. It's happened almost overnight. Anyway. Um, uh, Do you know what, Joe? Uh, that reference over. there, I think, will give the game away. Because lots of people sort of speculate on whether you are, in fact, controlled opposition and, and Illuminati. And now there you are, bigging up the pharaonic era, when, of course, your class... <laughs> Um, yeah, I'm, I'm staring at the pyramid with an eye on the eye on the top of it, James. Yeah, <laughs> as we speak. Uh, yeah. yeah, maybe I could have thought of a better analogy. Um, I didn't mean to. I tell you what, I've been watching and loving. I just, I, I'm, I'm so happy when it's on, and so sad when I finish watching it. And that's the um, Clarkson's Farm. Oh yeah, it's and is that, so the, good. You think that is the last the last season? Presumably, it is. Well, yeah, I don't know. I, um, the, the so I finally got spoiler alert here because we we've been told throughout that Clarkson didn't get his planning permission and stuff um for his his farm shop 
you know, sorry, for his uh, his restaurant that he wanted to, mm. to open to sell food made completely of you know a menu completely made of produce from the farm. Um, and it was really sad when he got turned down by the local council, West Oxfordshire District Council, because you you realised all the farmers who were going to be deprived of a chance to sell their wares at a reasonable rate rather than the, the kind of insulting rate they get paid by supermarkets. And it would have been great. And But, but then it, I, I think it has a happy ending. And I'm, I'm, I just think whatever you think of Clarkson... Um, what he's done with that with that series is so important for for farmers, and uh, yeah, I, I love him. Uh, even though I think he he cucks out on a lot of issues, um, the fact that he's there on TV for the moment, at least making this stuff, makes me salute him. Yeah, well, let's hope it's done well enough for him for a, for another season to be commissioned. Um, anyone interested can still find our. Save Clarkson petition on um, change.org. That will swing it, Tebs. Over 60,000 signatures, yeah. Guess over over 100, he's saved. Anyway, right? um, so I think I think that's probably that's probably about it. You've I'm, got I'm, a thing to, to go to. What's your thing? Oh, I'm going down to Brighton. It's a, it's a, a free speech union regional speakeasy, and um, I am the guest speaker. And we've sold out, I believe. So um, I better. I suppose be in Brighton they're so hungry for the the few people there who who are maybe on our yeah, side. Yeah, I'm I'm, they... I'm so I'm so at odds with the kind of prevailing green orthodoxy in Brighton that I'm 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 practically James Dellingpool uh, yes uh, uh, down there well enjoy that yeah. experience Tobes it's, it's given a few <laughs> I don't suppose I... I'll meet as many attractive women who'll come up to me and ask, ask, no, ask no. for a selfie <laughs> <laughs> well good well have a have a good luck thanks mate yeah okay um, alright good alright then okay bye 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 this is London Calling Ricochet. Join the conversation.